This morning we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28. And I'm very much aware that we studied this in Sunday school today, but most of you wasn't in Sunday school. But uh, I found out something a long time ago, and I've been preaching a long time, that whenever God gives a message in the Sunday school and he repeats it in the worship service, he means for it to be heard. So uh, follow along with me today, Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be covering verses 1 through 20. If you don't have a Bible, just reach in the pew there, the pew rack, and find you a Bible. And if you don't have one at home, take it home with you. They're there for a reason. But uh, we uh, are going to just ask you to follow along with us due to the time today. Uh, we're going to not read the scripture ahead of time, but read it as we go. So when you found Matthew chapter 28, we're going to begin in verse 1. We want to be speaking today about the events surrounding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think it's amazing that in February of last year, I started preaching a series of messages, or I thought of just preaching one message, out of Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God has developed that, and I've carried on Sunday after Sunday preaching just verse by verse from that passage, starting in that passage and coming on through to today. I had no way of knowing that this passage of Scripture would be the passage that we would use on Easter Day. It wasn't planned by me, but it was planned by God. But this is one of the four different passages of Scripture that concerns the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all writes about this, as well as uh, Paul gives us a great summary of it over in his writings. But you'll find differences in each one of these as you read them. Matthew, you see, was a Jewish man. And Matthew wrote basically to the Jewish people. He was one of the disciples of Christ, and he observed much of this as he traveled with Christ. Mark was a protege of Peter, and we understand that Mark got much of what he wrote from Peter, and it was written later on. Luke, of course, was a physician, also a historian, and Luke tells us that he interviewed people. He went and talked to different people, and he wrote his gospel from the different interviews that he did with people. John was one of the disciples, and he wrote, last of all, the gospel of John. Each one of them contains pertinent things, and they word it in different ways, and it's in a different manner, but it's all the Word of God. So as you read this today and you study upon it, and I hope you will, that you'll take it home with you and you'll continue to study this, that you'll begin to learn that there's many aspects to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it took all of those gospel writers to, to tell us the full story. And we won't cover the full story here today. But let's just begin in verse 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see 
the sepulcher. Now, let me just share with you here that the first thing that we notice is the time of the resurrection. The Bible says in the end of the Sabbath, well, the Jewish Sabbath is our day, Saturday. It began to dawn toward the first day of the week. If you look at your calendar, you'll find that we observe the first day of the week on Sunday. So it was on what we call Sunday morning that Jesus arose from the dead. I was asked yesterday why do Christians worship on Sunday rather than on Saturday? You'll find the church over in the book of Acts worshiping on the first day of the week. It's the day that our Lord arose and we, we worship out of honor to Him. In the end of the Sabbath as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, we see the people here who witnessed the resurrection, the first two witnesses here in verse 1b. There came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Now there's a little difference in this if you compare uh, this with some of the others. You see there's uh, one of the Gospels lists three women who come there. Here Mark or Matthew only listed Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was the one that Jesus had cast seven demons out of. She became a follower of Jesus Christ. She was there at the cross. She observed all that took place there. And here she is on resurrection morning coming to the tomb. And it says, and the other Mary, the other Mary. Well, there are several Marys that we could point to in the Bible. In, in Mark, he calls her name Mary, the mother of James and Jose. As I read this week, some of the commentators speculated that it could have been also Mary of Bethany, the sister of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. But according to Mark, it was Mary, the mother of James and Jose, who was here. Another passage tells us that there was three women that came. And I'm not going to get into all those controversial things and get a fight started because the, the main point is that Jesus arose from the dead. That's what this scripture is all about. So we, we see some miraculous events that begin to happen here in verses 2 through 4. Behold, there was a great earthquake. You remember when we talked about the crucifixion of Jesus, that at his death, there was a great earthquake that took place. And the Bible says, and the graves burst open, and some of the saints of old arose from the dead, and they appeared to many after the resurrection of Jesus. Here we see there was a great earthquake. And it tells us why. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Now notice this. That great earthquake. Was it because the angel of the Lord just broke through the sound barrier and, and came to sit on the stone that he had rolled away? Would that have caused an earthquake? No. No. But the earth began to shake and tremble 
Some people would say, well, it was the aftershocks of the earthquake that had happened two or three days before that. That's very well true. Could be. But the point is this. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is an earth-shaking event. The angel of the Lord descended. Where did he come from? From heaven. God sent that powerful angel, and, and I believe it's over in Mark where he tells us there were two angels. But he sends a messenger, and that's what the word angel means, a messenger. God sent his messenger down. He rolled that stone away. You'll find in another passage of scriptures, these women came to the tomb. There was a question in their mind, who will roll the stone away for us? You see, it was a huge, heavy stone, a big uh, mill-like stone that was rolled across the door of that tomb, and it was sitting in a trench, and it had to be literally muscled out of its way or, uh, to get it back away from the tomb. These women knew they were not strong enough, and they wondered in their mind, well, who will roll the stone away? Let me tell you something. God has it all planned out. He knows it all beforehand, and he, he had this angel already waiting to come and roll that stone away. And he rolled back the stone from the door, and notice, he sat upon it. He had conquered that stone. He sat upon that stone, just taking a little bit of rest as he sits there. Now notice in verse 3, it tells us about the appearance of this angel. His countenance, his appearance was like lightning. You've observed lightning. It's beautiful, but it's also dangerous. His, his, he was dazzling. His appearance was just a dazzling sight there. His raiment, his clothing, white as snow. White always represents purity in the Word of God. Here is an angel from heaven. He's pure and white and clean. He has no spots about him. His raiment was as white as snow. Verse 4 says, And for fear of him, these guards that were set out there at that tomb because they were afraid that someone would come and steal the body of Jesus away. And these Roman soldiers had been placed at that tomb. It says, for fear of him, the angel, the keepers or the guards did shake and became as dead men. These military men standing out there with their swords and their spears standing there guarding that tomb when they see this angel the Bible says that they shook they begin to tremble they begin to shake and then evidently they fell over it says they became as dead men they passed out they didn't die but they passed out they were as dead men Verses 5 through 8 tells us some appeals that are made. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Notice these words of comfort. Fear not. They were afraid too. 
But here the angel says, fear not. Bible scholars tell us that the term fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. One for every day of the year. What are you fearing today? What's bothering you? What's keeping you from serving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? These women had come that day. They were expecting to find a sealed tomb. But they found one that was open. They were expecting to have to get someone to move that stone. But they found the stone moved away. And now they've seen this angel. And he speaks to them. And his first words were, fear not. Fear not. Why? I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. I know why you're here. I know why you've come. I know that you're seeking for Jesus. The one who was crucified. Notice how, how the Bible is so plain. Not another Jesus, but Jesus who was crucified. And then he makes an announcement. We would expect to look in the tomb and see the body of Jesus. Verse 6 says, He is not here. He is not here. You see, Jesus had already risen from the dead. He didn't have to have the stone rolled back for him to get out. The stone was rolled back so that we could get in. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Jesus kept telling them this, I'll be crucified, I'll be beaten, I'll be beaten to a pulp, I'll be hung on a cross, I'll die on that cross, but after three days I'll rise again. He is not here. He is risen as he said. Just exactly as he said. And then notice the invitation. Come. See the place where the Lord lay. Come. Look in here. Be an eyewitness to the fact that he's not here. Be an eyewitness to the fact that he's not in the tomb. Another passage of Scripture tells us that when they looked into that tomb, they found the grave clothes of Jesus. He was wound up in linen. Joseph of Arimathea had done that and put a hundred pounds of, of aroma spices on his body to anoint his body for burial. And I believe it's John that tells us that his grave clothes were laying there. They hadn't been unwound. He just slipped out of them. And they just collapsed. The napkin that was about his face, that it was folded and placed over in a different place. You see, if somebody had come and taken his body out of there, they would have took the clothes with him. They certainly wouldn't have taken the time to unravel all of that, uh, that linen cloth that was about his body. Jesus just slipped out of there. And notice what the angel says in verse 7. And quickly, go quickly, tell his disciples 
that he is risen from the dead. Oh, notice the urgency. Go quickly. Don't stand around and talk. Don't tarry around here all day. Go quickly. Go where? Go tell his disciples. Tell his disciples what? Tell his disciples he is risen from the dead. That's the message for today, that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goes before you into Galilee. Now mind you, he's crucified in Jerusalem. Galilee is to the north. Galilee is the area where Jesus grew up. It's the area where most of his disciples came from. And he says, he'll, you'll see him in Galilee. There you shall see him. And lo, I have told you. Notice verse 8. And they, the women, they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. Notice their mixed emotions. They were fearful, but yet they were filled with joy. Have you ever been that way? I've seen people many times stand by the casket of their loved one with tears streaming down their face, but yet joyful because I, they knew I'd see mom and dad again. I'd see that brother or sister again because they love Jesus, they live for Jesus, and there's that promise. You see, these women had that, that fear in their heart. Here they're going to announce something that sounds almost unbelievable. But yet, they saw for themselves, he's not in that tomb. He is risen from the dead. Go quickly, tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead. Before, behold, he goeth forth unto you, before you into Galilee. There shall you see him. There shall you, the disciples, see him. I have told you. They departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run. They didn't walk, they ran to tell his disciples. That says something to us. When we have a message from the Lord to deliver to someone, it's time to go to deliver it. We shouldn't wait around. They obeyed and went with great fear and joy. Now notice verses 9 and 10. And as they went, I love those words, as they went. Jesus will tell his disciples before this chapter ends that they are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the commission that we have today of the church of Jesus Christ is to go into all the world and tell the world that he's risen from the dead, that he's alive forevermore. He can be their Lord and their Savior. And they went to tell and to tell his disciples, behold, get that little word, behold. 
It means, look. Something astonishing is going to happen here. Look. Jesus met them. They're going down that road wherever the disciples were gathered. They're going there. And on that road, Jesus met them. Notice what he says. All hail. I look at the note in my Bible. And you know how that should have been translated? Instead of all hail. Jesus said, oh, joy. Here I am. Joy. They came. They held him by the feet. The last time they had observed those feet, there was a spike driven through them. They fell at his feet to worship him. I wonder if they placed their finger in the nail prints in his feet. He told them another place where they came and they doubted that it was him. And he said, touch me, handle me and see. Put your finger in the nail prints of my hands. See that it's me. They failed. They came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. But Jesus had a message for them. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. There's that phrase again. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Be not afraid. I've got a work for you to do. Go. Tell my brethren. Huh. Tell my brethren. I like the word that Jesus used there. Brethren. Remember, only John stayed close to the cross. His other disciples fled. They ran. They were afraid for their life. Jesus doesn't say, go tell those fellows that run off. No, he says, go tell my brethren. They're my brothers. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. What a wonderful message. Now when they were coming, they were going, behold, some of the watch or the guards came to the city. And they showed to the chief priests all the things that were done. They went to Caiaphas and all the other priests there, the Sanhedrin court, the ones that had condemned Jesus to death. These guards go. And they began to tell. He's not in that tomb anymore. He came out of that tomb. We've seen an angel down there. They began to tell them. Verse 12 says, When they, the Sanhedrin court, were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, that means they, they conferred with each other about this. What are we going to do about this? Notice what they do. They gave large money unto the soldiers. They gave them a huge amount of money. You think they were paying them for a job well done? No. No. Read on. 
they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Do you know there's lies in the Bible? Right there's a lie. They told him his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. You know why that won't hold water? First of all, if they were asleep, how'd they know who took it? Secondly, for a guard and a Roman army to go to sleep while on his watch, it would mean the death sentence for him. But yet, to discredit the resurrection, this was done. Say that his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. Now look at verse 14. If this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure or protect you. If this comes back to Pilate and Pilate hears about it, don't you worry. We'll watch after you. We'll protect you. We'll perpetuate the lie. Verse 15, so they took the money. The soldiers took the money and did as they were taught. If anybody asked them about, did Jesus arise from the dead? They'd say, well, we were asleep and his disciples came and stole his body away. Notice what it, the Bible says. This saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. The very day that Matthew was pinning this down, this was still a common story and it's still circulating today. The devil has kept that lie going for 2,000 years. But praise God, the truth is still being spread too. For those who believe, for those who come to know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. You see, He made a way where there was no way. He arose from the dead. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. And you say, what does that mean to me? It means you can have eternal life is what that means. You see, that's a part of our salvation. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Praise the Lord. He's alive forevermore. You can believe the lies if you want to. You can go to hell if you want to. God won't stop you. But on the other hand, you can believe the truth. You can believe that Jesus arose from the dead. I love that old song that Bill Gaither wrote. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. 
He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Apology. Bill Gaither didn't write that one. He wrote, Because He Lives. Now, I'll, I'll let you sing that one. <laughs> but you see, it's wonderful to know that our Savior lives. Is He your Savior? Does He live in your heart? Is He alive today? And well, yes, He is. If you don't know Him as your Lord and Savior, He's inviting you to take this time today and come and trust Him as your Lord and your Savior. Give Him your heart and your life. He'll trust, He'll take you. He'll give you eternal life. And then you can really sing, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds tomorrow. And life is worth the living just because He lives. Let's stand together and bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we bless your high and holy name. We give you praise for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you that he is alive and alive forevermore. And Lord, as your Holy Spirit deals with hearts here today, anyone who's in this building or under the sound of our voice anywhere, any place, those hearts that you're touching today, letting them know that you will forgive them of all their sin, letting them know that you will give them eternal life if they'll only believe in the true and living Savior and ask you to come into their life and be their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray today that as in this, this invitation is given, that people will respond, those who are saved and those who are not saved, Respond as the Holy Spirit gives the unction today. May your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.